Hey, what's up, everyone? This is the World of Lifting podcast. You are tuning into the first episode of 2021. Thank you for everyone that made it this far, listening to just me talking about lifting. Uh, but, you know, we got interesting, interesting topics today. But our special guest here today, we have Coach Christopher Smith. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty, pretty good. I, I can't complain. Yeah. Sitting home, enjoying, uh, enjoying the break from school. Over yeah. So, so for people who don't know who you are, why don't you give them a little rundown of who you are, your achievements, and what you've done over the years? Okay, achieve. Who are who am I? <laughs> I am a avid uh, sports guy. I love sports. Uh, I probably started to compete when I was in eighth grade. My track coach. Uh, I just got just got involved. Nobody really asked me to come on. Uh, started to participate in track and field. Uh, in ninth grade, he came up to me and he goes, you playing football? He was my health teacher. I was like, uh, I said, no. I, the only thing I knew about football is I used to watch some football with my grandfather on Sundays. Uh, but other than that, didn't really know too much about football. He goes, you should play. I said, okay. So I went down thinking that he was going to be the coach, right? He's a track coach, actually pretty famous track coach on Long Island for 30 40 years or so so i get down there and uh i said uh where's mr Ruvo? he goes he goes oh he's a track coach so that was the first time you know that that was the first time in my life that i realized that somebody showed interest that didn't have a horse in the race Does that make sense yeah yeah just was looking out for somebody like i think you could be good at this you should do this <laughs> yeah and uh basically started to play some football uh Got involved in, in wrestling, track and field. Got a, uh, I was, if you see on the back of the wall there, I got, I, yeah. I just put, I just put these all up. Those plaques are, those plaques that I put up, I, they were in storage for many years. Uh, those are Nassau County titles that you get when you, when you win the county championship, you know, and then, and then you have to go to the state qualifier afterwards, go up to the state championship push up, uh, a and B. You have school A's, school B's, large schools, small schools. So, but to go to the state championships, you don't get any award. I guess the trip is your award. But for the for the counties, you get an award. And 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 I realized the higher up you go in sports, the awards get smaller. <laughs> I mean, went up to the state meet and they give you a little medal. This I'm like, this is this is what you get for a state title or place it in the state. It was pretty uh I, I thought it was pretty entertaining. But from there on in, uh, I made something called the Empire State Game Team. This was technically bigger than this, than qualifying for the New York State Championships in high school, because yeah, that was like the New York Olympics, right? Empire State yes, Games. It was the best, ex one of the best sports experiences I've ever had. It has opened up doors for me. The people that I've met. Uh, I just met I just met so many great people, you know, Olympians, Olympic champions, world record holders, and in, in, in so many different sports. Uh, but that was great. I met, and the reason it was harder to make because when you're at the uh, state qualifiers for track and field, they're taking, you know, the 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 top three that hit the qualifying distance. So, for Nassau County, now. <laughs> Now to make the Empire State game team, you had to be the top two on Long Island. 
Oh, wow. And basically at the time, uh, the Suffolk County champion uh, made it and and I made it as uh, I was one of the Nassau County champions. So we made it and basically I probably had went to the empires from 1988 uh, in either track and field or or in weight li- or, or in weightlifting god for all the way all the way up to about 2010 because then yeah, I was I president I was president of an association and and the guy that was running it was getting older and actually it was supposed to be given to my wife my wife is a, a national uh, she was a national athlete you know for weightlifting she also uh uh, big time administrator, attention to detail, you know, and I guess he wanted, uh, and Stanley had a try to promote women's weightlifting and he really wanted to give it to her. But then after the hurricane that we had in 2012, I believe they pulled all the funding and the empire just fell apart. Oh, so that's why it dropped. Yeah. I, I've always wondered why. Yeah. Uh, it was probably, it was the, the greatest state games in 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 in, in uh, the United States, every everything was modeled off of that. Governor Hugh Carey put it together, and it was funded, and it moved around the state. It was basic. It was the Olympics. It gave people uh, or, or athletes because these, you know, when you, when you qualify for so many times, like yeah, I made the team again. Yeah, whatever. No, it's not. And you look back at it, man. It is a huge accomplishment. It's huge. And and I, I just cannot tell you. Uh, the great experiences that I had there, especially with my friends, uh, with my training partners, especially over the years as it evolved, because I went from a high school athlete to a college athlete there, and uh, eventually to an open athlete, you know, competing, you know, in track and field and weightlifting. Those two are pretty, you know, you'll, you'll find some really, really good weightlifters that are really great track athletes. In fact, there was probably, you know, I, I tell the people often in the weightlifting community, especially in the 80s and the early 90s, I was like, guys, they're try these track athletes that are just unbelievably strong out there. You, 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 you can't imagine that. I, I watched this guy. Uh, he, I forgot what country he was from. This is going back to the probably mid, uh, mid-90s. mid Watched him hang power clean 200 kilos. Is he a sprinter? No, he was he was he was a discus throw. Oh, okay. Drawing a blank on his name. I, if you want, I uh, there was this guy. I saw. Uh, I can't hold me to the name. Many many years ago, uh, we're at Florida Relays, and we were uh, sitting. Uh, we were training. Uh, we we're, tra- tra- were training at this gym, and uh, the gym had a deal with, you know. Uh, University of Gainesville, you can go in there, they give you passes and everything, sit in a sauna, whatever you want to do. So we went in there and I was watching this guy. I was like, my friend Lou, big, big time track and field guy, big time, 81 foot weight thrower, 235 foot hammer thrower. Uh, he he was like, that's Linford Christie over there. And, he, that, and that's a track guy. And he was, I think he was a hundred meter guy. And, uh, I watched him power clean 150 kilos. And this guy was in steel, <laughs> no bumpers in steel, play, playing with it. I was like, Jesus. And I was amazed how vascular and ripped and how hard looking he was. I was like, wow, I was really impressed. I was really impressed. Uh, that not impressed that there were so many people doing these lifts 
so early on where now people are like, oh, uh, this is a new thing that I'm doing. Oh, this has been around since the 50s and 60s. Most people just aren't aware that it was taking place. It was almost like a, like a closed community. You know, uh, I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm not just talking weightlifting. I'm talking like Olympic athletes. Like th these people had no concept of what the Russians were doing and the Bulgarians were doing back in the sixties and seventies and eighties when it came to human performance, just the things that the, the weights that these people were lifting were just phenomenal, which is phenomenal. Yeah, they did. They took it to the extreme. Well, I only, I only know, I only know about the Bulgarians, you know, reading about uh, coach Abajayev. And his and his system of you know like squatting every day, I think I think his concept was you know animals hunt every day. They're like basically maxing out their bodies. Why can't humans do it? And he just applied it to his Bulgarian team and <laughs> look at it. He, they're like world champ, world champions are world champions are world champions. I don't know what happened to their team nowadays. Oh, I, I could I could tell you what happened. It's pretty it's pretty negative, but there's been busted? a huge oh, it's been a huge crackdown on on drugs and. Uh, basically, if there's a way to cheat, people are going to do it. Yeah, it's understandable. And, and, it's, and it's terrible, you know. It's like, I'll just put it this way. Uh, I have a couple of huge baseball fans in my house, and this was going back, and they said something about, I, I don't want to say any names, really good baseball player, legendary. I, I don't want to say any names. Right. And this guy was... Uh, you know, like, oh, this guy would never take drugs. And I'm involved in the sport. I said, look, when you're paying people hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, you are encouraging them to do whatever it takes to keep that money flowing in. And come on, they're giving, they're giving these major league baseball contracts to people that are in their mid, that are in their 30s. People were retired. You were done back in the 80s and early 90s. You were done when you were 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. And they're giving these people hundreds of million dollar contracts. How do you think they're achieving that? Well, maybe you be, you talk about more recently, like what they're giving con contrast to like, I'm, uh, I'm, go I'm going back 10, 15 years ago now. Okay. Well, that's still relative, like 2010 yeah. time kind yeah. of, well, you know, I would what's up. I would imagine like, uh, like PT and all the sorts of recovery methods have like drastically improved over the years. I'd imagine their career duration would be a little bit longer because of that. Sure. Uh, I, people lear really learn. People really learned a lot over the last 30 years. They, they, they started to learn a lot in, 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 the, in the 1970s and 80s. Uh, the big difference between, from my opinion, the big difference between uh, the Bulgarian system and now the Chinese system versus the old Soviet system, where the Soviets had a school, you know, they would pick pick athletes, you know, to train full time, you know, when they were in uh, elementary, middle school, and high school, and they identified these athletes, and uh, uh, basically, the Bulgarians and the Bulgarians, they just hit it hard. You know, yeah, they, you would have these athletes around for three, four, five, six years, and they would disappear. Seven years, and then they disappear. Where the Soviets, you could track their athletes, like. Uh, Pisarenko and Taranenko and all, all these guys, you know, were, you know, and uh, they, they were around for, God, K Kolovich probably was, was lifting at the world championships in, you know, 80, probably junior world championships and championships, 83, 84, 85. And he competed at the Olympics in 1996. This guy had a very long career. 
the Bulga the Russians really, and that's what happens when you don't max out your body all the time. When you're not pounding your body, like the Bulgarians just pound their bodies into the ground. Uh, they, they, made, they made a couple of really good uh, videos on Bulgarian training. And uh, there was one, it was called uh, Night of Champions. I'm not sure of the exact translation. And these guys are just sitting around wearing their straps and Abba J off is just screaming at them and repeating the same story. And they're just like, and they show this one guy shaking. He's like, oh, but if I don't compete, they will take my stipend in his hands and he's putting it underneath ice and water. Like they were afraid they had to compete. That, that, that was it. Where the Russians seemed more measured you know, they would do tons of bodybuilding, tons of different exercises. Yeah, the, the different style accessories to like variations yes. just to train those different muscle groups, I think. But yeah, where yeah. the Bulgarians, where the Bulgarians, I think there were 20 different exercises at one time. And then Abajiov, you know, took it down to 15 exercises. <laughs> and then and then towards probably can't hold me exactly to this stuff, but uh, probably somewhere in the 80s, it was power snatch, power clean. Uh, squat clean, you know, squat snatch, front squat, back squat. And then, and then the people I've talked to, a lot of these guys, a lot of these Bulgarians really even abandoned back squatting. They were just front squatting constantly. It, because they said, okay. you know, I, I can get into that with you a little later uh, of why that happens. But, and he just, just pounded them away. Just pounded. These guys were setting worlds, right? <laughs> you know, guy, guy comes out uh, I guess uh, I'm thinking about 1986 World Championships, an 82 kilo lifter. lifter oh, that's know, right in the middle of the Bulgarian success that, period, yeah. right? Yeah, right yeah, in the middle. But, but if you look at it, there was this guy, I guess Zlatan. I, I'm, I don't want to kill the name, but he uh, he cleaned your 225 as an 82, far oh, beyond. Think, you know, oh, I know who you're talking about. I far beyond. The great Purist Demas, I think they did 215 or 217. Uh, but like I said, Purist Demas had a, had a really long, uh, you know, basically from 92 all the way up at the four Olympics. So evidently he, uh, he did it much better than these other guys did because there was such up and down in their training where I don't know how much Abajayov really, you know, w was personalized with his athletes. It's like, ah, I got another one next. Oh, this guy got hurt, throw him out next where the other systems don't seem as, you know, uh, don't seem that, you know, un, it's methodical, but the, the, the pressure that they put on the athlete and the load was just incredible. I mean, I mean, I imagine think, what's up. I think that's the harsh reality of a lot of Olympic sports. You have to keep on top of your game or you're going to, you know, get cut, but. Yeah. But the, I mean, the amount of, imagine trying Okay, this guy Vanev, I'll give you an example. Uh, jumping jumping off the ground, jumping back. Not the most prettiest lifter in the world, but man, entertaining and wow, explosively. Explosive. He was, the world's record was, I believe, was 202 kilos or 200 kilos. I mean, this is probably what weight class am I thinking about? Are we talking clean and jerk or? Clean and jerk. Okay. Uh, this was... Uh, we're talking about 1997, 98, somewhere in that ballpark. So I'm looking, I'm losing track of the weight classes. They've changed them so many times. So probably uh, he was probably a 70 somewhat kilo lifter. 
And the world's record was just around 200 kilos, maybe 198. And there he is in training, cleaning jerking 210, 215, missing the jerks, pounding it and just pounding it out. And I'm like, you know, they have videos all over the internet about this stuff. You could, you could just watch it. I've actually, you're talking about the Bulgarian, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've watched that. Like that, that was, it was such a great video. This is what. I mean, I mean, they start, they start off with the video with this guy, Ivan Ivanov. And Ivan Ivanov is this little 52 or 56 kilo lifter back in the day, I believe in, in 1992, the, the coaches carried him off carried him onto the platform and carried him off the platform because he was so injured that he couldn't lift. You you know, <laughs> it was, it was crazy, but they opened up the video with that guy cleaning jerk. And of course he was probably, he's overweight with straps, but cleaning jerk in 175, a 56. I mean, he's 15 kilos over the world's record. At or that time though, I kilos, think. Yeah. At that time, okay. 15 kilos or, or if not 15 kilos, 10 kilos over the world's records. And you're talking many just pounding away at the weights, multiple attempts. In incredible. Maybe his hands were small and he couldn't grip the bar so well in training. That's why he's wearing straps and that was able to aid him. But you're just talking just the, the incredible amount of, of, of poundage and what they were doing and how far over the world's records they were. I mean, the world's record in the, in the in the in the 55 kilo class and even the 56 kilo class before was it 175 yeah well they, they keep changing the weight classes i think the weight class now is like it's 55, 55. yeah 55 yeah it's, it's 55 61 67 you know but it's just it's just unbelievable uh yeah. it's just uh, like the average person i, I, I they they're like they, they don't know how how hard you can push your body you know, uh, most people, most people like, oh, 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 oh. I, I, I'm, I'm always worried about being injured or injury, injured. I've had so many surgeries in my time to correct it. I don't want anybody to ever go down that path that I went down. And they're like, oh, you must have been a tough guy. No, I wasn't tough. I just smart. Of, no, 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 smart. I got hurt so much. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that I got hurt so much is I loved it so much. And I always wanted to train. That's what I was. I was an athlete. And I just trained and just would pound away. And no matter what injury I had, it just didn't matter. Rapid, uh, <laughs> you know, work, work around it. Oh, my knees bother me. I'll pull from the blocks. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do anything, anything that I can do to get around it. That's what basically retired me out of, out of my track and field career right after I uh, was at the NCAAs in 96 because my hip was hurting so bad already. And that was an old football injury. Every time I would turn my knee, you know, from, we used, you know, if you cut the circle at the zero, 90, 180 and 270, every time I was turning my knee to 90 degrees and hang on the ball in the back half, man, my knee was, my, my groin was just killing me. So what did I do? The next best thing, let me get into weightlifting. It doesn't hurt as much. I, I have a, a different avenue there. I guess just being an, I guess an athletic junkie, right? Yeah. <laughs> just loved it, man. Just loved it. But uh, what's up? I think there's a smooth transition into the front. Well, actually, people don't know you are president of local weightlifting committee. Uh, yeah. Metropolitan president as well. Yes, actually, actually on there is I, I've been president. I'm the president of the Metropolitan 
local weightlifting committee, but they would say, it's a committee or president association. I said, that's just the name they have it. And then, and then uh, I am, uh, I guess the Northeast chair of the president's advisory committee, like, uh, like if any other presidents across the country, anybody wants to give me a call and how to run a meet or how would you do this or what would you do? They split the country up into four groups. And I'm one of those, uh, one of those guys. So, yeah. you know, and then uh, became an, an international referee along the way. Uh, yeah, actually, it says you're category two, which I have no idea what that means. Okay, you have you have a local referee, okay. you know, and then you have the the, uh, the national referee, and and then you have an international category two, and then an international category one, and of course, I even hung it up like it was a trophy. Over here, the tie that they give you, you know. Oh wow, the, the IWF. Yeah, the, the IWF tie, big tie they give you, and uh, and the whole uniform. And uh, I got into that. Uh, actually, I'm a category two right now. I wanted to go get my one, but with COVID nineteen, they really there's not many weightlifting events going on right now. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying to hold them locally, but it's tough. It really is. It's tough. Yeah, but I see. I see you've been doing a like a a great job with your with your long island weightlifting club you got i don't know how i don't know how many athletes you have but you got like a but like a nice little tight-knit group everybody's training everybody's making prs looks like a great training environment in my opinion yeah oh no yeah yeah but uh i i got a lot of these kids from my wrestling program i mean like i'm pretty fortunate they're like oh these people are pretty good how you getting them so good i'm like well they're going through a selection process to wrestle for me. You have to, you know, I, I have 70, 80, 90 kids that come out for my wrestling team over at Bronx High School of Science. And it's a great school, great place, wonderful kids, every, everything about it. The people, everything was just, it's just, it's a wonderful atmosphere. Uh, and, and these are just, just great kids. And there's only so many spots on the team. So, I'm running them, working them out, PTing them. And of course I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking for ability. You know, I have 90, 90, hundred kids here who, you know, who, who am I going to choose? And of course in wrestling, I'm not basically picking the, the strongest guys, but or, or girls, but I'm picking the people that have the greatest hips, the greatest athletic ability. You know, if you can move your hips well in wrestling, yeah. regardless in any sport, you're going to be a good athlete. And, and then they have the work ethic that goes along with it. They, they know that you got to come to practice f- five days a week and then tournaments on Saturday. And these kids are just pounding it out, they're grinding it out. There is, there is no sport harder than, than wrestling. Even my, my friend was a, uh, was, was a professional boxer and he goes, he goes, Chris, he goes, you know, throwing hands is one thing, but then you get tackled and you're on the mat and then you're, then you're wrestling on the mat. And then, and all of a sudden you get out and you get, and you back up and you, after you wrestle on the mat, then you back up throwing hands and training again. He goes, you're shy. You have nothing left. It's, 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 it's not like judo where you get to lay on your back and defend and it take, doesn't take too much energy. It's, it's total offense. It's total, it's total aggression. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, it's just a lot to be a wrestler. It's a lot. And, and a lot of these kids know what, it, know what it's about. They, they know the grind. The average person 
to go to the gym three days a week is hard for them. Yeah, they, yeah. They can't do it. And then they get an ache and a pain and they have to take off. And you're like, what, what is this? You, you joined up to be a lifter. I joined up to be a wrestler, an athlete. You know, anything competitive. Anything competitive is sad to say, maybe not being healthy, you know, you know, say, you know, you're, you're, you're a great student that go to the Ivy leagues and, and you're studying for 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. Yeah. That's, I mean, you're sacrificing a whole other part of your life. So too much of, of one thing isn't good. That's what I've learned over time. You try to, you know, space out your time when it comes to training, you know, if I'm going to study, I'm studying, I'm not going to let anything get involved in that. This is my study time. Okay. Here's my training time. I'm going to train. I'm not going to let anybody else get in the way of my training time. And you really, to be very good at something, you really have to segment all those things to be a, an, an accomplished person. You can't be all over the place. Though one of my pet, pet peeves, I don't say it too much. I stare at my athletes, but I don't say it too much. I probably say too much, but I see them on their training. They're, they're picking up their phones. I'm like, oh no, for, oh no. You're going for an 80, 90% lift, you know, focus. Yeah focus and they're like oh, oh i'm jumping i mean you know i'm like who, 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 what's that important who are you talking <laughs> to you, this is dangerous stuff you can get hurt here focus but it's you know it's you know and, and then and then if you get somebody that that gets a bad piece of information during a workout or something like that and you, and you see the whole mood change like put that phone away and i learned that from i learned that from my weightlifting coach uh his name was audie drexler what a tremendous human being uh, guy never missed a workout ever just highly disciplined highly focused and uh i mean accomplished in the business world everything got yeah, it has sports it. sports definitely yes got, I got it, has it all. and i and i realized i'm like uh I, I would call up his house and hey you know what's going on is already there well he's downstairs i'm not gonna bother him because he's doing something and that's what you have to be you, 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 you know, it's it's like in my house. The only time you're not bothered is if you're in the bathroom or something like that. <laughs> Hello, you got to fall now. Let me go to the bathroom, please. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah. you know, but it's. I mean, these athletes are really, they are. Spot. I mean, very specific, very specific, and and the average person doesn't understand that. I don't think the average person knows what it takes to be great at something. The effort. What? Yeah, they don't. Well, if you. If an average person, like you see a podium with the Olympic champion, Olympic silver medalist, the bronze medalist, you know, they see that. And some of them, they'll think it's easy. You know, they don't see the, they don't see the, the 5 a.m. workouts. They don't see the, the, the pakes, the, the pain and aches that they go through. They don't see the, you know, the, 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 the hard times of training. You know, they, they only see the good parts. They'll see, obviously, the, the gold medal is, it's a, it's a high point in their career. And, but that's the only thing they see. They never record the the other late training sessions that they have and thousands, thousands of hours. Yeah. That, tens of thousands of hours go, go into training. It's, it's, and, and, and you're going to sacrifice. Yeah. I, and, and not to, to me, it's not a sacrifice. The reason it's not a sacrifice. Is I loved it. Yeah. It's so fun. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. You know, it's like, I would watch these, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I was remember watching the, 1986 or 87 world championships in track and field or, or wrestling or, or gy gymnastics sticks out in my brain. And the girl and this girl's like, Oh, I gave up so much of my childhood. Gave up your childhood to be extraordinary, yeah. to be extraordinary. Yeah. 
why would why would you want to just you know now it's hang out with your friends and go play video games online when you could be why be normal when you could be extraordinary at something people people search their whole lives to be great at something and and you're complaining because you didn't get to hang out with your you know with your high school classmates or your element and, and you're now you're around olympians you're around greatness you're you're in this environment that only a chosen few or that can work hard enough to just get there uh that that would boggle my mind and there was this bulgarian he was wearing a shirt in that 1998 training hall shirt it says why be normal and i thought it was great i was like why, why would you want to be normal yeah you know, oh, i didn't go and hang out with my friends i was like these are my friends they, they these are my training partners they are my friends and to this day uh, my those are the people that i hold most dear my you know my my friend dan and lou marty angle and fred deruvo and these and my father used to help me out give me rides everywhere uh met i met al water the guy worked with me for free for like four years that's how i got pretty good at driving my father like oh let's drive out to west islip and uh one of those guys i was friendly with and this guy humble four-time olympic champion and it's not even a four time this is crazy what i'm gonna say it's not even a four-time olympic champion that was just so impressive he retired because he had a family and and stuff and somewhere back in the late 70s he got back into it and then set a world's record in 1984 he told me the story he was he was throwing against uh it was i don't know if it was a sanctioned event or an unsanctioned event uh but he threw 237 feet as a 45 48 year old man in a discus 237 feet it wasn't ratified as a world's record i believe i believe somewhere along that year he did get it that's incredible i mean you're talking you're talking from 19 he made his first olympic team in 50 in 52 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 56. So, you know, he was in high school training probably from 1949, 1950, and then still be doing it in the, in the mid 80s. Oh, just, yeah. just think about what kind of mentality that takes. The support system, the people that are around you. I, I've seen very few people become great without a support system. Okay, but so you can become great. Yes, you can. Yeah. But it's very hard without that support system. I, I give it to my father. That he helped me. I mean, what it, what it, what he, you know, he would drive me all over. You know, he, he just, I guess he wanted, just wanted to see his son do the best he could. And my mother was different. She was like, oh, Christopher, as long as you try your best, it doesn't matter. You know, somebody told me this one. I was an All American for the first time in junior college, and they gave me a party. And I guess I gave my wife and my girlfriend at the time a hard time. We used to go to the beach all the time. And I was like, well, what are you keeping me here so long? And I guess I drove her crazy. And I got home and they, they threw me a party. You know, for being an All-American, they invited my coaches and everything. And it's one of the nicest things that people have done for me. And, you know, and, and of course, there's always people that are they're like, oh, oh, that's a great accomplishment. But, you know, there was like three or four people better than you. I was like, oh, they really said that? Oh, what a... Oh, <laughs> I've had some awful things been said to me over time. Awful things. And it, you know what? And I, I, it's not—it's not awful. These people just have no concept. And then they would, then, then it, this would, and then they would. I'm not begrudging anything for anybody to get out there on an athletic field and do anything, whether you're a peewee, baseball, or football, whatever it is. Then you know, 
and everybody wants to just chime in and you, you, you sort of like, you know, it was like, oh, this is great. This is great. And you're hanging around with like a whole bunch of Olympians because people will realize who you're friends with. Yeah. They don't understand that the guy sitting right next to me over there was the first, you know, the third all time best weight thrower in the world, in the world, in the world, ever at that particular point in time. And they're like, well, you know, my little, my, my grandson, my nephew hit a home run in a little league game. I'm like, oh, that's really good. You know, you keep it going. But, it, but they talk about like, it's like, you know, that guy's best in the world over there. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should just go and, and talk to the guy, <laughs> you yeah. know? But a lot of people aren't, they, 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 a lot of people have no concept what it takes. Not many people I know, well, they, they come in like, oh, I want to train. Can you, I want to make an Olympic team. And I was like, yeah. I was like, let's just talk about coming in training at least three days a week and being consistent. And then over a year, maybe we'll see where you're at and maybe build upon that. I mean, that's a really big goal. You want, you, you're going from being a couch potato and you want to, you know, because people don't know. They, they have no idea what it entails. Yeah. Well, it's, it's good that they have. Well, okay. So, so you are a big advocate of Olympic weightlifting. Yes. So one of the topics we wanted to talk about was why Olympic weightlifting compared to the other lifting activities. Sure. Why? Very simple. Uh, we'll start off with this one. You see this guy in the gym and he's bench pressing 500 pounds and takes it off, and lowers it, lowers it, touches, pushes it. And it could take him, I'm going to make up a number. It could take him five minutes to complete the bench. Well, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm joking around. Maybe it takes him 30 seconds, 15 seconds, whatever it is. Well, did you ever see a, did you ever see a really good snatcher? How long does it take him to pull that bar from overhead to the floor at a 90 or 100% max? Half second. a second. <laughs> because that's the difference. One is one is strength, which you need to be very strong to be an Olympic weightlifter, you do. But also you need that God-given inherent power. Yes, some people are born with it. Some people uh, I get much better at it. Like I, I don't consider myself being the greatest uh, athlete in the world by, by no means but I did train hard. Uh, that, that's, that's, but that's the difference. Uh, it's how, it's functionality of the movement. I wanna be able to pull, pull the bar off the ground and get it to my shoulder. And I wanna accelerate this through the whole motion and really attack the weight. So it's, you know, what is it? Mass over, I'm not even, I'm not even sure what it is, but it's, it's, it's how much time it takes to move a very heavy, heavy object. And We're talking about these, velocity or yes, it's velocity. Okay. okay, but over distance. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That that that's what that's what it all comes down to. So, uh, it's but like I said, functionality. Basically, Olympic weightlifting is plyometrics with weights. Like you'll see everybody these you know, NFL players doing this, doing that, doing this, jumping, bounding, doing all this stuff. Where if you really watch uh, an Olympic weightlifter, what are they doing? They're jumping with weights. That's all it is. It's jumping with weights and it's using your hips, driving your hips, to the, driving your hips up and into the barbell. You don't want to bounce the bar out. You want to jump with it more vertical. Yeah. I've so, seen Olympic weightlift, like Olympic weightlifters when they do uh, like they try to test their like max vertical jump. It's one of the most impressive heights I've ever seen. They're like jumping way over their height. Like the, the I don't even know the 52 kilo lifters. They're like, almost double their height and they're, they're somehow getting up there. <laughs> yeah. I used to, I used to be a big, uh, I was a great jumper. 
uh, too good of a jumper. Uh, my, I, I had some very bad technique when I first started. I mean, it was terrible. If there was anybody they would have threw out of the room, it would have been me. Like, Get this guy out of here. This guy's terrible. Get this guy out of here. This guy, and my friend, my friend would say to me, my friend Nick Curry, he would say to me, he would say, Christopher, you are so strong. He goes, but you may lift weights. He goes, but you are no weightlifter. <laughs> because I didn't, I had no concept, especially, you know, I had no concept of, uh, of, of all these things that I know now. I, I had no concept. Uh, then, he, then, then the first time, like maybe five, six years later, got some different coaches. I went to a bunch of different coaches and learned, uh, actually learned a lot from Nick's coach. He wasn't coaching me at the time, but I used to sit there and I used to listen to him. This guy, his name was Naomi Klemanski, big time Soviet coach, got a degree in, you know, weightlifting in, in, the, so, in the former Soviet Union. You had and a degree he, in weightlifting? Oh yeah, back that? in the Soviet Union. He's oh, got wow. serious biomechanics, everything. And I used to listen, I used to sit there and listen to him intently. Cause you know, when you, you know, I'm just listening. And there's so much you take in by just listening and watching. These guys, we had like three different teams in the training hall, you know, with different coaches. And of course, caused a little animosity back then, you know, with anything. And uh, but I was pretty friendly with everybody, and I was just sitting there watching. And uh, he came up there after I snatched 130 kilos for the first time. He goes, "You are now a weightlifter." I was like, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "Something." He goes, "Once you snatch 130 kilos, you are considered a real weightlifter." I was like, "Yeah, but I but I, I weigh 120 kilos." He goes, "Doesn't matter." I was like, what? It didn't make any sense to me, but this is what the old coaches would say. And I was like, oh, okay. I finally got a compliment. I said, you know, you know, but uh, very, you know, just, it's, it's very sport specific. Uh, but comparing, like, I'm talking about, like, if you compare it, like if, if you, if an athlete came up to you and he didn't know you were an Olympic weightlifting coach and he was like talking about, oh, I maybe want to do powerlifting or like strongman or bodybuilding. And would, like, why would, why would you lead him toward, lead him or her towards Olympic well, weightlifting? Well, you know, I, for, first, I, 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 I'm an Olympic weightlifter. Of course, it's my passion. It's my love. But I, I always ask the athlete, what is your goal? Where do you want to go with this? If you want to be a powerlifter, then you got to, of course, I'll, 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 I'll introduce you to some people that were, that were big time powerlifters. If you want, if you want to be trained for sport, whether it's football, baseball, track, wrestling, whatever it is. I would say, I would say Olympic weightlifting is more of the, uh, of the avenue what you want to go long term. If 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 a kid if a kid only has six months to prepare for his varsity sport, gets a little hard. You really gotta. Um, I may not teach them the fine aspects of Olympic weightlifting at the time. I may just coach them more and squatting them, you know, sport specific stuff. It's like uh. You know, I always was told that bench pressing, if, if for sports, was is pretty was pretty worthless, especially for a track guy. And oh, there, yeah, yeah. and there I am, Chris Smith. I'm benching 460 pounds when I'm 18 years old. Bench and, 460 at 18. Yeah, at yeah, Nassau Community College, I uh, the reason that that 460 was the number that was picked is because one of the coaches, I don't remember what the coach, who the coach was at the time. Thinking back to it, I was in a weight room at Nassau Community College, and I benched 425 for a triple. 
and, and oh yeah, it was brutally strong. But I couldn't squat. I don't think I could have back then. I don't think I could have squatted three hundred fifty. You should have competed in powerlifting. You could have smashed so many world records. Yeah. The bench. How, about, how about this one? I'll give you this one. Back in the nineteen late early nineteen sixties, my father was a pole vaulter, and I think he held this school record of like just around. I'm not even sure, but somewhere around thirteen feet. This was back in the early 1960s. Back then, the world's record was like 15 and a half, 16 feet. The, the, the people had no concept. There's great athletes roaming around out there, and they have no concept of, of how good they are. And that's what I want to do. I, I, I try to identify as many people, you know, and say, look, you have ability for this. You could be a great track athlete. You could be a great wrestler. You could be a great football player, weightlifter, whatever it is. Everybody searches their whole lives to find something that they could be good at. And I just want to steer people in the right direction. I want to share my influence and try to make their lives a little better. Because so, a lot, you know. So what is it that you see in someone that makes you think, oh, this person's going to be a monster in weightlifting? In weightlifting? Yeah. I was working with this one guy. I always, I've always seen it. I was working with this one guy. You know, you have epiphanies in your life. Yeah. And this is 2004, 2005. And his guy's name was Fadi Bedar. He was, I looked them all up. He was on the junior world team for Turkey. It was Turkey. Yes, for Turkey. And uh, something happened where he was supposed to get chosen for the Olympic team, but they, they chose this other guy's uh, other kid. I think uh, Tana, uh, I don't have to look at his name. Uh, ba basically something happened where they chose that one guy over the, over him. So he had relatives, you know, over in this, uh, over in this part of the world. So he came over and, uh, somehow, I don't remember how I, how I got in contact with him is they had the internet back then, but not like it is now. And, uh, basically he called me up and I said, yeah, come down. And there I am. I'm watching, I'm watching this guy and he's not, you know, he's like, you know, and he's, you know, snatching 100 kilos and snatching 120 kilos. Remember, this guy at the time only weighs 78 kilos. But I noticed his, his body was hard. He looked old. He was 20 or 21, but he looked 35. He had that really European type of hair, real hard looking. I mean, his body was like stone. And I'm watching this guy. And, and there's a few people down at the gym working out around him. And I'm loading his ball for him, you know, and... He's snatching 170 kilos. He snatched 170. He was using straps. He was using straps. He snatched 170. And I think he missed 180 back. Are you kidding me? I, I was like, I was like, I was like, look around you, people. Look, look. do you see what you're seeing? And, and, and people like, what? Uh, Wait, he was in a local gym in New High Park. On Hempstead Turnpike, snatching 170 to 180 kilos in training. At a body weight of 70, what? Let's say about 80 kilos. The world record right now in the 81 kilo class, I think, is 173. Yeah. But these guys lift way over. Well, I mean, so I was like, are you kidding me? And then, and then I got him into a couple of meets. And, of course, my old friend, head referee in the country, Rudy Sablo, I – Rudy was a legend, a legend of the sport. 
coach John Davis. John Davis was this other great Olympian back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Rudy was all these people. I'm, I'm amazed that some people just don't see how you call me up. You're talking to me. Yeah. I'm amazed. I, I'm the president of the Olympic Committee around here. And very few people ask me, yo, what have you seen? You've been around for a long time. Who have you coached? No, they don't ask. This guy, Rudy Sablo, would often tell me, he goes, I was like, Rudy, I saw this guy. He snatched, uh, you know, uh, 160 kilos of strength. He was like, I snatched 160 kilos. I was like, really? He goes, put him on a competition platform, make him be drug free, and take the straps off. Let's see what he can lift. Oh. And I was like, and Rudy Sablo was the president. He was, this guy wrote the, the rule book of the IWF back in the 50s and 60s. Oh, wow. So I wrote the rule book. I mean, just to know people that knew Rudy Sabala was an honor, but the average person in this day and age, it, they, they don't care, especially these kids that are training people and they, all they care about is the money. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a history type of guy. I want to learn from the people before me, the people that come now. Now they're like, how do you have so many good lifters? I was like, regardless of how many good lifters I have or what I don't have, is I want their technique to be pristine. I want their technique to be beautiful because I didn't have that. I wasn't coached that in the beginning. Even in track and field, even in, the, like I said, the best coach I had, his name was Fred DeRuvo. He's not the best coach. He was the most selfless coach because typically people, and this is where I learned, people tend to get a little uh, territorial with their athletes. Not so, very much in track. I'm sorry, very much in, 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 in weightlifting. Not so much, not so much in track or wrestling because I'll be like, go down there, work out and, you know, and, and get a different perspective. So ba basically what he did to me, one of the greatest things I ever learned from a coach, he goes, Chris, you're throwing a discus 160, 170 feet. He goes, I'm a running coach. I know a little bit about the discus. He goes, but he goes, I can't help you. He goes, but I, ha I have a guy. He was, uh, I think he played for the New York Jets for a while. He was a football coach football coach over at Malvern High School, Coach Ron James. He, uh, my, you know, I would go to my track practice and after track practice, he, this guy would go coach me for free. I used to go down to Malvern High School and he, and Mr. Ruvo said, he goes, look, I, I can't help you too much anymore. You, you, you're going, you're moving too fast. My knowledge just isn't there. And he gave me to another coach. Of course, I have respect. You know, this is Fred DeRuvo. He's a greatest men that I've ever met. What he did for me was incredible. And, but a lot of people in this day and age, they, they pay no homage to the people that came before them. And he gave me, you know, and Ron James, not only did Ron James, but these people liked coaching. They liked teaching. When I was wrestling, Ron James would come down. He would watch me wrestle. He watched me play football. Oh, he was, he, he would scout me. I mean, just these guys were just true, true sportsmen. That's what's missing in the world. There's too much selfishness in the world. People chasing the dollar too much. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, <clears throat> that's actually something that I just realized right now. Just oh my god, you look at the fitness industry now. It's kind of weird because you see like, okay, get abs in like a week. That type <laughs> of that type of stupid stuff on the internet, and then you see the other like coaches that have, you know, they'll they'll brag about how many achievements that his athletes have. I have five national champions under my under my name. I have 10 world record holders under my name. That's why you should come to me for coaching. And I'm just like, well, like, 
I don't know anything about the training methods, you know, how they coach. Like, do you just care about them hitting a national record so you can add it to your resume? Like, I don't know. Okay. I'll, I'll get, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a, a great saying that Martin Angle gave me. He was my track coach and he used this thing called, he used a saying called cradle to grave. Hmm. Cradle to grave. He coached me in the hammer. I didn't know anything. And he coached me until I was a 64 meter hammer thrower, cradle to grave. He coached my friend, Louis Jassari from zero. He got Lou to work out, got him his, he was a heavy kid, got him to lose 70, 80 pounds. He, he, he did more for him than just coaching him. At the end of the day, the guy was the third best weight thrower of all time. And was almost going to make the Olympic team. All right. I mean, cradle to grave. He didn't, there was no, people jump from coach to coach too much now. And you have to, the most important thing is you have to buy into your coach. I would say, if you believe in me, if you listen to what I'm going to say, you came to me, you came to me to ask how you could be a great athlete. I'm giving it to you and I'm giving it to you for almost nothing. All right. L please listen to me. Listen to me. I will, you know, I, I'm, and I only tend to take, and and I'm and I'm not in it for the money, and I don't charge too much money from too much. Yeah, sometimes, you know, more master athletes and stuff like that, people that can afford it. But for kids, most of the people that I train right now don't they have no money. These people would not be lifting weights if they were being charged. You know, of course, there's the barter system. I run a meet, they help me out at my meets. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to pay some way that they're, they're going to pay, you know, oh, you're going to, and I feel bad for them. Like I need a loader. You're going to help me load. And they're like, Oh yeah, I'll load after like two hours of it. They're like, Oh, I was like, this is payment. Isn't it? <laughs> they laugh. <laughs> they laugh because it's hard work. People have to realize what goes into it. But, uh, but basically we get roll over the place. <laughs> uh, what was the question you said? Uh, uh, I don't even know because we <laughs> we were ranting for a little bit. That, that's all right, you know. Yeah, but uh, but basically, uh, but basically. Oh, I just said that uh, coaches oh, they, yes. they yeah. You, you were talking about that. You know, let me. That's not that's not a bad way of seeing. You said, "Oh, I have all these great athletes. You know, come to me. I coach this guy. Coach that guy. You know what? That's." That's a very, as a teacher, as a teacher, I learned this going from my first wrestling job. And I said, look, I qualified, you know, I took second in the county twice. I was ranked in the state. Uh, I wrestled in college. I won the, you know, regionals. I went to the nationals for wrestling. And you know what he asked me? He goes, but who have you worked with? He goes, I know you're a great athlete. He goes, we know you're a good athlete, great athlete. Who have you coached? Now I can say, yes, I've coached my wrestling team to three city titles. I have had so many. I took all these kids that may have not had the greatest athletic ability in the world, but because they had great work ethic, I have promoted, you know, I've, I created a culture at the school where now I have, I have a, basically, you know, you have, a, a, I guess, a legacy to us, you know, but you have that. You just can't come in and say, Oh, I'm okay. Uh, the guy was like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to coach by 
some great world champion. You know, most most great world champions, they're not really very, very good coaches. They're not very good coaches at all. I'll give you an example. Uh, this guy, his name is John Coffey. Uh, he's got to be pretty elderly now. He may, he may, he may um, I, I lost track of him over the years. He, he, he would probably be in his 80s now if he's still alive. And uh, he wasn't that great of a lifter, passionate. Maybe the guy snatched 90 kilos, maybe cleaning jerk 110. Not a great lifter, but he had the most legendary girls weightlifting program in the country. One in the, like in the States or in the United States. Yes. Okay. He was from Georgia and had the most world champions out of a girl's team and, and so many time national champion. This guy wasn't a great lifter. You don't have to show me what somebody show me what you have produced. You know, show me what you've produced. With Instagram and this and that, oh look at this and who 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 have you produced, and not not who have you have gotten from somebody else, you know, you know, imagine getting somebody uh, this this uh, there were these couple of hammer throwers and uh, I'm going back to the late '80s, early '90s, and like I said, I don't want to give any names, I don't want to shout people out, but they were really really good. And they were all junior throwers and they got to college and this college coach is getting credit for these athletes. These athletes weren't made by him. They were made 10 years before, 10 years before they were made. My, my friend, uh, uh, his name is Patty McGrath. I'm going to give him a shout out. Patty McGrath is probably one of the best hammer coaches in the country at this point in time. His guy, I think his name is Rudy, made the Olympic team, went to Cornell, went to, went to, uh, uh, what, Cornell, uh, and, and Patty coached him from cradle, and this kid is ranked number one in the world right now, cradle to grave, all right, so there's a relationship there, there's everything there, and there's a great picture of, of him sitting with my coach, Marty Angle, and Marty's an old, frail guy now. He's in his 80s, and he's sitting next to it. And his and his daughter puts something up. Look, two Olympians sitting on my sitting on my couch in my house. That's a big <laughs> thing. One was in the 50s, and one was in the, you know, in the 2000s. But it's pretty pretty impressive. But cradle to grave, people, you have to buy into a coach. But the, the coach has to be knowledgeable, of course. And let me tell you something. There's some pretty good. There's from what I'm seeing out there. There's some pretty good Olympic weightlifting coaches out there. There's a lot of people that aren't very good that are just, they're very good at separating the athlete from their money. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, but the only problem is what, what I, what I think the problem is in this generation when they hop, like I see it with powerlifting programs too, you know, they'll, I'll, I'll tell, I'll recommend a program to someone. They'll run it for like two weeks. And then they're like, Oh, yo, Alan, I, I found something else that that might be better. And I was like, but you just, you just ran that for only two weeks. What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> And he's like, oh no, but I think I think this one that the concept it, it seems better. I was like, all right. Well, then and then they do the same thing with this program. They run it for like a week or two. They'll hop off, hop on another one, and then this repeated cycle. And then they're like, hey, Alan, I haven't even my squat hasn't gone up. And I'm like, well, look at what you did over the past few months. They, you just hopped around on programs. <laughs> and the same with coaches, like the the weird, oh, what's it called? Uh, instant gratification. That's what I was talking about. Correct. Yeah. They'll hop around the coaches. Okay, this coach, he looks, he look, he has bigger biceps. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go to him. You know, 
You know who I want to be trained by? I want to be trained by that 50, 60, 70-year-old little Asian coach or the old little Russian coach or the old little Bulgarian coach that looks so unassuming yeah. that, you wouldn't even, that you wouldn't even know that they were lifters, but they have all this knowledge. And that's, but, but people are like that. They, 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 like I said, they, they have no concept what it takes to be a great athlete. Not even to be a great, and there's, there's so much more you're gonna learn about yourself. Like I, I would say, tell my friend, Nick Curry, and uh, his brother, Butch, was a 1980 Olympian. Family was a weightlifting family. It's a good family. Just, just good people. Just good, gave of themselves without even asking anything in return. And, and Nick was telling me, oh, about this and about that. And I was like, I was like, Nick, let me ask you a question. I said, how many people do you think are gonna make Olympic teams? All these people that we coach, how many of them are gonna make world championship teams? How many of these people are gonna make the Olympic team, especially with all, all the criteria in this day and age? They don't even take 10 anymore back, back like in the 70s, 80s and 90s the way they did. I said, how many? He goes, well, I was like, you really think it's about, about the titles? Or it's, about, it's, about, it's about the experience. And it's about what you learn about yourself through time about being patient, about giving back to others. Because once you give back to others, what you get back from, you know, you, you help one athlete and he goes, oh, look at this. And then, but you, you, you're talking to athletes. Oh, you should try this. Wow, it really works, really makes sense. So, well, my coach, he was a 19, uh, he, was, he was a world record holder here. You know, he goes, this is what worked for him. I mean, you're like, <laughs> you know, but people are so, they're so involved in, and what they're doing, they, they don't, they're not patient. You gotta, if you wanna be a great weightlifter, you must be patient. Like I asked them, I asked them, what do you expect? How long? I was like, I was like, look, you want it? I was like, say you have all the talent in the world. Say you have every bit of talent in the world. How long do you think it's gonna take you to make the national championships in Olympic weightlifting? Or just qualify for the American Open Series? Well, I was like, let's qualify for the American Open Series first. And then let's go on to maybe University Nationals. And then, and then the American Opens final, and then, and then the national championships. And that takes time. Are you willing to put the time in that it's gonna take to be great at something? And what I found out, most people aren't. They, they go and come and I've seen so many people over the years. I've had some great relationships with people some wonderful relationships with people. That's what, that's what sports are, are about. It's who you can influence in a positive manner. All right. Uh, <laughs> you know, remember I, I, I you want to see, you want to hear crazy stuff. Tell you a crazy story. All right. Crazy story. My friend Lou and I, and a couple of us, I don't remember who was there anymore. Just going back to somewhere in the nineties, mid nineties. And we're at Penn Relay, Princeton University. And they said, you know, they're shooting a commercial down over there. They need some throwers. They just want to get on there. And, and they'll, so we went out there, I believe it's been such a long time. Uh, I don't even think I got the shot that day. Maybe I, I signed something, but my, my friend Lou, they took a picture of him. They took a video of him. And you know what? He got paid for the day and he made a commercial. He was on, a, I think it was a UPS commercial. And with throwers? With throwers. You know, when they show like Olympic uh, 
like Olympic videos. Oh, train for the Olympics, this, this, and that. And they'll show different clips of different athletes doing doing things. And it all went down to UPS? No, uh, no, no. It was, uh, what's that? Yes, it was a UPS commercial. Like the mailing thing? The, yes. The, oh, wow. Yes. That's how, and it was dumb luck. Dumb luck, he got it. And uh, a couple months later, I get a telephone call from his agent. And he goes, you out of college and stuff like that? I said, yeah, I graduated. And she goes, he goes, uh, you know any other big guys? You know, I guess decent looking big guys I can speak. I was like, decent looking big guys I can speak. I was like, I'm a, <laughs> I, was like I don't know if I'm a decent looking big guy. Maybe I could barely speak, but <laughs> I don't know if I'm good looking enough. But I, I had hair back then. But uh, I, was like, I was like, sure. So he goes, we got this casting call. And a whole bunch of these track guys and football players, we all went down and and it was it was funny. It was it was a pizza commercial, and uh, came home. Well, we just laughed. We went out to get something to eat, you know, in the city. We made a day of it. Then I got home, and there was ten. The, 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 the lines were going out the door. There were so many people there, and I said, eh, this, is, "This is a joke. What, what are we doing here? I'm not an actor. I'm not that. I'm not an actor. I'm a I'm an athlete that somebody knew me." So. I get home, I get a telephone call that I got a call back. I'm like this, I'm like, yeah. So I get on the phone, I say, anybody else get a call back? It's strange, it's a joke. They're like, no, go down. So I went down the next day, like a day or two later, did the same scene. Did I ever tell you guys about the kick? I was 50,000 fans going absolutely crazy, funny. So come back the next day, by the time I get home, I have another call back. I'm like, get out of here. Now I'm sort of like, do I have a chance here? Yeah, making it I into the back. big leagues. Yeah, so I go back down. So I go back down uh, the next time. And this what this took place like three or four times. And of course, this was cramping my style because it was taken out of my training time, you know? Nothing, nothing. I had to be at LBH. I had to be at LBH at 6.30 to train. I don't care if the world was coming to an end. I had to be there. So next couple of days go by and I, they said, uh, you're getting chosen for this commercial. And I looked at him, I was like, what? I was like, why? They're like, well, and you know, they were like, well, you fit the script. <laughs> uh, I was like, I was like, there's 10,000 people here. I was like, why me? And the guy goes, why not you? And I was like, wow. And then he used my voice for a dub over and everything. And it was really interesting what, what sports have given me I can't even tell you what they've given me. I made $20,000 off the commercial. I was sitting, I was sitting at a, at a Friday's and they gave me a list. This had to be one of the funniest things. That I've and I'm sitting at a Friday's uh, pre, right before the Super Bowl. And they gave me a list of times when the commercial was going to be played. And I'm sitting over there and, and I was like, I bet you there's going to be a football commercial coming up in the next segment. They're like, how do you know? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> So all of a sudden, there's my face on it on this new commercial, and then people are like that wasn't you. I was like, I don't know. I, said, I don't know if it was me, but they're like, you didn't tell anyone that it was that you were doing a commercial. I told some people. Okay. You know, I told some people. My training partners they were laughing. We had a good time with it. But you know what I did? Another couple of times, I uh, I got another several callbacks on the same agent doing commercials, and and uh, they they even did a portfolio of me. This is 
you know, this is before, you know, modeling shots and people pay money. This it was just for free. They did it for everything for free. And they sent it out and I kept on getting calls and calls and calls. Dumb luck, but that's what sport, that's what sports have given me over the years. Scholarship. I mean, I've been so, so fortunate. And this is what I want to give to other people. I'm trying to give it to them for free. People don't even want to take it. They don't yeah. want to take Because, well, I think in the in, in this, you know, we think more is good. So when they think of a coach, they're like, I want to invest a lot of money. Because when, when they think, when they see that higher price, like, oh, it probably means, you know, he's got something there. But no, he has higher, he has higher rent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or he has a nicer car that he wants to pay for. And, and, and I don't begrudge anybody for trying to make money. I, I don't. I don't, but the bottom line is most of these Olympic athletes are on welfare. They're living at home. They were doing what I was doing. I was working bars, doing bouncing and doing security and bartending and bar backing just so I can train during the day and work at night and go to school. These people don't got it. These top end athletes, they don't have any money. They don't, you know, unless they get picked up by a sponsor or anything, it's, you need a support system. Yeah, well, we're, some, we're talking like- you don't need somebody separating you from your money. Yeah, yeah. When you're trying to make an Olympic team. Yeah, we're talking about Olympic sports, right? Because I think most Olympic sports, um, they don't really have that much money in it. If we're talking like bas- basketball, like oh, football, fair. like. <laughs> you know, that, you start you, you start talking, there's some sports, gymnastics, of course, they got the money, baseball. These are all professional players now. Yeah. Basketball. But when you're talking like judo. Yeah, Jude, yeah. You're talking like weightlifting. You're talking, you're talking like uh, this. I mean, they're giving nothing compared to what what these pro athletes get. I mean, uh, I mean, I back this guy that I knew. I was coaching one of his athletes. I met him once or twice. Uh, this guy Nikolai Peshalov. He won the Olympics in 2000. Great Bulgarian lifter. And it was just dumb luck that that, that I was getting coached by. I, I was I was coaching this girl. It was one of his athletes. And she goes, oh, my coach is coming to town. His coach is a professional tennis player playing in the U.S. Open. They're going to watch him. I was like, sure. So we went right down at LBH, and everybody passed through LBH back in the day. So he didn't speak, he didn't speak very good English. But you try to convert, you know, try to talk to him and stuff like that. But uh, he got paid $1 million for his Olympic gold medal back, uh, back in 2000. Oh, my God. What and now, now that and Croatia gave them the million dollars. In our country, they don't. We just don't have the money. It's just you get a million dollars for a baseball season. You know, if you're if you're a uh, football player, I think your signing contract is like you know making it into the NFL. Your rookie career is like seven eight hundred thousand dollars now, but that's about it. There's just not money. That that's why it's so hard to create you know, to get a culture, create, create Olympians. Most, most, most Olympians are coming out of scrages and Olympic weightlifting and they're coming out of, you know, you know, cross some CrossFit boxes. CrossFit has really helped uh, weightlifting to give a lot, uh, to spread the wealth of it. Like you know, that's what makes it great though. Like being CrossFit. able to manage your time with work, school, you know, another job that you might have your, your personal responsibilities and it's still being able to get on top of that podium. Like that's amazing. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's something else. It's the, the work, the work ethic that it takes. It's like my son, my son just turned 18 years of age. It's a couple of days ago. And he's been, he's been lifting weights for me since he's about 12. 
probably before he was coming in picking up weights throwing them down and he was a little kid and he has no concept it's just a way of life for him he'll be like we're training and you know he's probably gonna next meet he's probably gonna you know clean and jerk 145 you know as, as an 18 year old but basically he has, he has the worst weightlifting birthday that you could possibly get because you're as old as you are during that year it's like say if you, his birthday is december 26th okay so on january 1st he was considered 18 but he was 17th through a whole year okay when you're a junior when you're a junior or a school-age athlete those years those four or five or six or seven months are huge so you know there he is he's you know He's lifting weights, but he's actually an 18 year old. He's considered an 18 year old, but he just turned 17. Is that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> and they do that to keep continuity across, you know, across the world, but they try, but you know, you have still people, you know, you look over in the 1980s, the former Soviet Union and everybody's birthday was like, you know, January, February, March. That's incredible. How's everybody born in January, February, March? This is a communist country, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> you know or or they try to follow the same i'm going to try the, i'm going to try to follow this the squat routine of the the soviets are you a professional athlete have you been <laughs> working out for 10 years are you taking the drugs that you're, they're taking are you working out three you know three times a day six days a week like these people are what actually it's not gonna work for you i actually tried it uh there was, there, there was a squat program you know small off yeah, so they had this uh, this squat program named Smolov. I think it was like 13-week program. It worked, but it was beyond brutal. Like, the, I was fried. My CNS was just done. They're like, what are you doing to me? They're like, 545 pounds for five reps. <laughs> okay, let me, let me ask you a question. This is, do these squat workouts work? Any workout works as long as you do it. Yeah. To an, ex to an extent. Uh, let me give you a little more background story. That was a bl blanket statement. Uh, how about this? Don't, okay. I'm going to take this beginner. You know, somebody just started lifting. And of course they're going to make, of course they may go up 50 kilos on their total in, in, in the first year. Or they may go up 100 kilos on the total in the first two years. Of course they are. They're beginners. Now, let me get this lifter. I'll use my son, for example. Because he's my son and I've been training him for forever. Okay. The next weightlifting competition, he's just turned 18 years of age. And he's probably going to clean and jerk 145 kilos. It's pretty decent. For, in, in a world of Olympic weightlifting, everybody's like, oh, my God, your son's so strong. No, he's, he's, he's decent. He's decent. Can I get him from 145 now to 182? Can I get him to the 175 clean, the 182 clean and jerk, the 195 clean and jerk, and the 200 clean and jerk? Can I get him to those numbers? That's coaching. Anybody can take a beginner and drag them through the ranks. Because as long as they come, as long as they're conscientious and they come to you a couple of days a week, they're going to improve. They're going to improve greatly. But after they hit, after they've been training three, four, five years, can you bring that athlete to the next level? That's a great coach. Because they meant now, and, and, and some of the greatest coaching and some of the greatest, uh, some of your greatest 
feats don't come from your greatest athletes. They may come from your, some of your worst athletes. It's like, you know what it took for me to get this person to clean and jerk hundred kilos. The kid's not got a speck of athletic ability in his body, but he trained harder than everybody. And he achieved. And what he's going to take, what he's going to take from that across a lifetime is huge. The person, no one had really dawned upon me. I was watching this, the 1998 Olympics and this girl, her name was Tara Lipinski, 14 or 13 or 14 years old, won the Olympic gold medal. And I was thinking to myself, wait, in ice skating, 13 or 14 years old. Is that allowed? I thought you had to be like 16 uh, or something. I believe this was before they put that rule in. Oh, okay. They, 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 this before they put that rule, rule in. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, how much dedication, how much time do I think that this person put into it? Maybe a lot, maybe not. Maybe they were like my coach that within the first year of training made the Olympic team. You know, so you, you don't know. You get these, these people that are just genetic freaks. They just show up and everybody thinks they've been training for 30 years. They haven't. You know, I, I think there's this new girl. Oh, she's super talented. Uh, Kate Nye just won the Olympic team. I'm sorry, just won the, the world championships. Uh, I don't follow that closely. I look at her lifts with a great, great athlete, great technician. I, I don't believe she's been lifting for too many years. Yeah, she's only, I think she's my age. I think she's like 20 or 21. 20, she's young. Yeah. She banged onto that scene and exploded. So that means she had the work ethic. She had the oodles of talent. She has beautiful techniques, so the coaches that are working with her are good. They know what they're doing. Pyrrhus Dimas is on that squad now, right? The U.S. team? Uh, yeah, but that, that's the national coaches. I don't know. Oh, okay. That's the, when, they, when they go out there, you'll, they'll, 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 they'll give you a national coach and usually the, a, the, the, the true coach that they train with at home or something can go. Okay. So, but basically that's, you know, those, that's, the, that's the coach you may want to look into. How did this, what did this guy do? First of all, how did he find her? Yeah. How did he find her? That's the first thing. The promotion of the sport. CrossFit was great for that, for us. Boosted our membership and everything. And it gave so many people such a place to train. That's, that's probably the greatest thing that CrossFit has done. Uh, is giving so many people an avenue, to, the, a place to train uh, to, you know, you know, and, and, and athletes, there's some really good athletes out there. There really are. They just need to be identified. They just got to know that they have talent. You know. Yeah. So what else? Any other, uh, what else you got there? Well, we have, uh, what we had, when we talk about, we, we were just beginning to talk about the role of promotion in the sport when you talk about yeah. CrossFit. I noticed that a lot of the Olympians from the U.S. team are former CrossFitters. But the, the weird part is, you know, CrossFit has this, you know, reputation of bad reps, bad technique. Um, you'll see <laughs> well, it like. <laughs> what, 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 you know, they're, they're not, they're not clean and jerk or they're not snatch specialist. Yeah. Like if I was going to run a, uh, I'm a coach. I'm a paid physical education teacher from the Board of Education from New York State. I'm a paid coach, all right? That's my profession. Uh, I'm, I'm a school teacher too. That, that's the big thing. And you, and you need people that have these backgrounds uh, that are, I'm, I'm a lifer, I'm not, I'm not 
I'm not somebody that's flying by the seat of my pants. Oh, uh, my, my friend often says this. He goes, Chris, they're not real weightlifters. It's like, what are you talking about? They're like, he goes, if they could sell socks and make more money, that's what they're going to be doing, selling socks. He goes, me and you, we pay for our athletes to go places. We, we, we give everything that we got, you know. So, but CrossFit is really, get, get, really promote, get, the promotion has been incredible. The, uh, the spotlight that's been put on our sport. And, and, and also people, I'll, I'll give you this one. People don't realize this. Like, wow, I started to run. And like, I'm terrible running long distances. I was like, oh, your body's telling you. I was like, you've been training. You're not doing it for a couple of weeks. You've been training for a year. And no matter how much, no matter how many times you jog that mile, you just can't break a, a seven minute mile. He goes, I goes, I've been doing everything. I was like, can you sprint? He goes, yeah, I'm real fast. Do so you ever think you have more type one or type two muscle fiber and your body's telling you this? It's like, I just got a, I just got a new girl. She was doing cross and CrossFit for a year. About, about a year and a half. And, uh, and she goes, I'm mighty strong. I was like, mighty strong, strong, huh? And she told me her numbers. I was like, oh, that's strong. She goes, but I keep on getting hurt. I was like, yeah, you're flying around. You know what dangerous that is? Gymnastics and stuff like that. Wrestle, I'm a wrestling coach. You know what dangerous wrestling is? Yes, yeah, I used to wrestle. I, I, I know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just your knees are just being bent in some god awful positions and and your arms being i mean it just these are these are rough rough sports but the crossfitters make really good transitions because they love to train and if they do make a transition but the hard thing about crossfit is now you're trying to fix their technical flaws yeah because they've been taught like the weird motor patterns because they, they they do it like as many reps as they can in a set and they're just, they're just flying around with the bar yeah uh there it's uh but i gotta give it to guess what if i was younger if i was 18 20 would i've done crossfit it's like wrestling i probably i would have did it uh so yes i'm an olympic weight left yeah but i would i would have did it because it appeals to me i'm an athlete that's that's my mindset it appeals to me and also the camaraderie has a lot to do with it but the promotion the promotion of the sport what crossfit is given to the community but also strength and conditioning was really coming up big time back in, in the 90s and 2000s before, before CrossFit really took off. And, and the membership for weightlifting was growing back then too. It, it, everybody says, oh, CrossFit brought it to the next level. It certainly did. But, but the knowledge of, of basic training of sport has just been, has been growing. Now I think it's been growing because of baseball and boxing and all these other sports that people have been using uh, you know, our training methods that have been around since the fifties, they think it's all new. Yeah. <laughs> not new. It's not new, but, uh, but uh, that girl, that girl, Kate and I is a, she is a, she is special. Hopefully she sticks with it and she gives. I think she wanted to retire soon, actually, after like she participates in the Tokyo Olympics. I'm not sure, but the best thing that these athletes can do once they retire and most people retire, they don't give back to it. They just, you know, they chill. Retire yeah. They put them at the stud and, and that's, and that's it. And the best thing that you could possibly do for our sport of Olympic weightlifting is to give back is to coach. And a lot of people do a lot, a lot of these, a lot of the people, the generation that I grew up with, Oh, they're all, they're, they're all coaching. They're all coaching. They all got their places. They're all coaching. Uh, but that's the best thing that we can do. Uh, there was there was a topic I don't know if you want to cover it this time or next time, 
but it, but it really uh you're talking the difference between back squats between squats. oh yeah i think we'll talk about that on the next one this one was uh, purely olympic weightlifting but uh, i want to give the guest a chance to you know if you want to give a shout out to any of your athletes anyone you've been you know working with for a while that you're proud of um proud of oh yes. my i gotta give it to athletes yeah you're putting me on the spot because i have a lot of them <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I don't want it. The, the, the crew, this crew of athletes, you, you go through different crews of athletes over the years, over the years. Uh, and this crew that I have right now about is about 15 or 20 of them. I have to count. Be, before the pandemic, I had about 40 on my team, you know, and they were either athletes or uh, referees or people that just helped me out, you know, and they would, they would, you know, I want everybody in the meet to be a member. And that's very important. Insurance purposes and stuff like that. You're standing on a platform, God forbid you get hurt, get hit, you know, whatever. But anyway, right now. Uh, everybody is listening in, holding their breath. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, right now. Uh, well, f- far most, the guy that takes the most beating from me is my son. <laughs> and, uh, the kid has so much talent. I'm not even talking about weightlifting wise. He's smart. He's got everything going. Takes after his mother. And I just want to give him the work work ethic, whether he becomes a great lifter. You know, maybe he's under I don't think he's under a lot of pressure. Because he's just that type of kid. He just comes in. He, he's gives up great answers. It's like one of the athletes, somebody asked him, he's like, Andrew, what do you want to lift in the in the next meet? This is great stuff. He's <laughs> his character. He goes, and and I lift it like, well, maybe I want to snatch oh, one ten and clean jerk one forty. My son just goes, a lot, <laughs> <laughs> a lot. <laughs> okay, so some other athletes. Uh, uh, I have uh, my guy that seems to really, my guy Ian Matlack, really dies by me. Does gives me a lot of help. It's a great kid. Uh, my other girl on my team right now. She help, She helps me coach uh, wrestling at Bronx Science with me. Uh, her name is uh, Lynn Kajihara. She probably has the best technique I've ever taught anybody so far. Her technique is just pristine. And man, she's a sectional. She was one of my sectional champions. And let me tell you something. I have never, the work ethic that this kid puts in is incredible. And that's what determines on how good somebody's gonna be is the work ethic. And I, and and she wrote something about me, and I said this to her, and I said this to her. I said I've coached probably thousands, tens of thousands of people in wrestling and Olympic weightlifting over the years, and I said as I sit in front of the kids, and you guys listen to me rant and rave and about discipline and coming to school on time, and and I know they hate me for it, but that's one thing that it, that's going to transition over in their life, is to be conscientious. And, uh, and I said to her, I was like, when I, these kids sit in front of me and these adults or whoever sits in front of me, I'm curious what they take from me, whether it's negative and people take a lot of negative, people take a lot of positive. I've seen some really wonderful things said about me, beautiful things, make me cry. I have, and, and, and some people have said some of the worst things about me, especially on the political side, you know, and it's incredible. Uh, who else? That's random uh, on the political side. 
yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, did you, some of one of my athletes, come, did you see what they said about you? They're like, that's a lie. I was like, it's their perspective. I guess I, I can't change the way people feel, you know, that's a, that's a blatant lie. I was like, yeah, it is. But who else? Uh, another kid, pretty, pretty rough, pretty, you know, rough technique, very quiet kid. His name is Daniel Cohen. Daniel is really, his last meet, man, he looked like a champion. You know, he PR'd across the board, and man, he looked great. Really did. Who else? I got so many. Oh, God. He, 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 looked, he looked great. Like we're gonna spend like the next two hours <laughs> just no, like shouting out. I, I, I can, I can, uh, that, 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 that's a kid. You know, his, his body. You know, his, maybe his body didn't move as well. His arms are bending, but smart kid. And just, he just came around. He just came around. Uh, who else? This, this, all of them. This kid Jonathan, I have never misses. Never misses. He doesn't doesn't miss a workout. He's my. My friend's buddy, you know, my son's buddy just keeps training and training and training and uh, got to give it to big shout out to my assistant, my, my assistant coach, my coach. I've learned more about him. Frankie Mintz. Frankie Mintz is a legend. His father's two-time national champion. His son, beautiful technique, beautiful technique. Uh, his little daughter, beautiful technique. I don't want, I don't like to judge people on and how strong they are lots of times because they don't have the, they may just not have the physical talent, you know, but man, when you have that technique and like Chris, you really taught that person. Well, I'm like, Oh, thank you. That's, it goes a long way because how strong they get just, it's just, do they stick with it? Uh, are they conscientious? How many workouts do you miss? There's some people that don't miss any. And that's where the greatest improvement comes from. When you don't miss any, you don't get injured. And I'm petrified of my athletes getting injured. So, maybe I tend to go a little easier. You know what I'm saying on them sometimes? And they'll think of myself, my God, if that's easy, what does he have in store? I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> I have this new girl. I think she's going to be, she's going to be very good. Her name is Carly Crossfitter. Very strong, very strong. And I'm trying to ease her into it. I just don't want to throw the boat at her, <laughs> you know, because she's only been training with me, you know, short period of time, but she has been doing a lot of CrossFit training and she's, very tiff, very talented athlete too, but we're going to see where this all this goes. I have, I have, I have so many more. I should have. If, you, if I knew you could ask me that question, you know, I don't want to offend any of my lifters. If I oh, we got a part two with with Coach Chris, so you know, maybe okay, we get him into the next one. <laughs> yeah, I can. Uh, you know, I'll give more shout outs to them. Uh, but some of the coaches in my life: Marty Angle, Fred DeRuvo, Ron James, my father, my parents. These people have, have supported my wife. My wife is, allows everything to take place. Everything that I do, my wife allows it. She's my true champion. She's the person that would, that would sit with me, freezing her ass off. <laughs> it's 45 degrees outside. I'm like, and you know, and she was probably lifting weights at this point in time. I was like, yeah, dear, we're gonna all be aged. Right afterwards, but I, I'm gonna go out and train with Marty, you know, at, at, at some middle school in Suffolk County somewhere. And she goes, Okay. And there she is, about reading a book, about 50, 70, you know, 50 feet away, huddled in a blanket, freezing her butt off, just, you know, just being supportive, just being with me. 
uh, she allows everything that that takes place. Everybody that comes to my house, everybody that comes to my training facilities. She is my running the presidency, running meets. She is my top administrator, top, top, top. I cannot say more about. She is just a, a not only she's my wife, but she's a great friend. So and a great training partner, just everything. She was a, I think she still holds the record. Uh, still? As, oh my God. Well, they canceled out the records over the years. Uh, I think in the 46 kilo class, she was a real tiny person. When she 46 first. kilos? Yeah, wow. she was tiny. She was tiny. A uh, little 46 kilo lifter. Uh, then she moved up to 50. And she, I guess she just wanted to get bigger and stronger. And just the relationship that she had with the coaches around there. And, you know, with Jim Curry Sr. Jim Curry was a, you know, uh, just a inspiration when it came to uh, coaching. I believe he coached the 1978 and 79 World Championship team. Just a great promoter of the sport. Just loved it. He gave everything that he could possibly give back, just like we do. Just a great, you know, Jimmy, Artie. Give a shout out to my man, Pete Woman, that showed me how to jerk. Legendary Screaming Pete, Van Eyes Weightlifting Tribe, coached by Bob Takano, another great legendary coach. Sean Waxman, all these guys that I watched training growing up. These guys were animals. They were trained so hard. I have never seen anything like it. Like these guys, I look at Pete, I was like, you are my hero. <laughs> he looked at me and he goes, he goes, I have not even, he goes, this is a warm up. I haven't begun to start training yet. I'm like this. Yeah. <laughs> Just an animal. But that's the effort and the intensity that you need to be a great athlete. All and, right. Uh, well, so, most of our viewers are power lifters. Just okay. taking from the people that like our posts on Instagram and people that listen on Spotify, they like it. They're they're usually more squat bench and deadlift specialists. But you know, we'll get a spice it up a little because we we barely have any Olympic weightlifters or Olympic weightlifting coaches with your vast experience. But this this episode was basically, you know, his story, what he thinks about athletes, and we'll get more into specifics in part two, coming out whenever I don't know when that is. But at the <laughs> end of at the end of each episode. Uh, I like to do this thing now where I give the guests, I used to do one minute. I think we're going to go for two minutes, but I, think I give the guests two minutes of just whatever they want to say, you know, what they thought about the show or, or something that they want to convey to the guests. And uh, I think we're just going to put you right on the spot. Two minutes begins in three, two, one, have at it. What I want, I want to know, I want to let everybody know to, uh, to really be great at something. It just doesn't take motivation. You have to be driven. It takes uh, like uber hyper fo focused type of mentality to achieve anything, whether it's Olympic weightlifting, wrestling, whether you want to be a great uh, student, wh whatever you want to achieve, you have to give more of yourself than you think you can. I'm talking from the perspective of, of sports psychology and mental health and, and everything that goes on to it. And the most important thing at the end of the day, when people finish working with me, I want them to be nice people. I want them to give back to their sport. I want them to be giving them of themselves. Uh, there's too much selfishness in the world. Uh, I, want, I want them to really be good people. Good people and to give back. I've met so many great people in my time. 
so many. I, I just want them to give back. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Be selfless. You know, share share of yourselves. That's what life's about. Life's about helping people and making people better people, whether they like it or not, whether they know it or not. You know, and the bad people send to fall off on the side and you just surround yourself by like-minded, good people. That's what the sport, that's what sports have given me. Just, just to be good. All right. Be moral, be good. All right. That was, uh, I think I did that less than two minutes. A minute and 40 seconds. That's good. Cause uh, last time we, we gave the guest a minute and they went right over and I was like, I gotta add more time, but (laughs) we have a million more topics with coach Christopher Smith. Uh, We'll let you know on Instagram when we schedule for the next time, but I hope you enjoyed. That was episode number, uh, I want to say it's 62. No, 63. Episode 63. First episode of the new crazy year, 2021. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Tune in out. See you guys later. Thank you for your time.